On with the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Voices of Misery podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, today's going to be a little bit unconventional, not like your normal episode. Just today's going to be a little bit different. Just going to be me and a pal of mine shooting the shit. He's a returning champion. You guys know who he is. He's the Reverend Cal Barnes. Cal, how you doing, buddy? Hello, nerd. What's happening, man? Can you uh, you guys hear me okay? Is this, uh, is this thing on? Oh yeah, you sound you sound fantastic, sir. You sound better than the last time. I don't know what you did over there, but you upgraded your system. Everything sounds great. Well, I've had lots of coffee. That might be part of it. So you know, I'm ready to talk, man. I'm ready. You know, I haven't heard no heard my voice in a while. So uh, ready to roll. Yeah, I actually got to talk to you about that. Uh, you know, you upgraded the sound system and you sound really clear, but I haven't heard your voice anywhere else. And last time we talked, you guys, <laughs> you guys said you were going to start getting back to work here. What happened? Yeah, I think, in fact, I promised, I think, in fact, the last time we talked, I think I, I said a podcast within a few weeks. And uh, hey, it's only been like you know, six, eight months since we've talked last. Is that correct? <laughs> you know what? Man, it feels like yesterday. Time has really been flying. And, you know, it feels it does. It feels like yesterday. But, yeah, it's been about eight months. Yeah, friend. Yeah, I've, I've listened to your show uh, recently. I know you've been, uh, you've been doing some things with Rita and some of her people recently. And uh, I, I like your, your interview style. You've got a great... Uh, you know, comfortable interview style and uh you know, more people need to be on you need to more interview more people because uh you, you do a good job at uh at making the guests and walking it through and not making it boring so you know let me uh check the uh, compliment the host on my checklist here I that was really <laughs> good thing. well actually i you know <laughs> one of those, I really uh, appreciate that really appreciate you were supposed that. to you know that last part was supposed to be the quiet thoughts but you know he's messed up the <laughs> quiet thoughts get loud and ah, okay shit happens it happens, it happens. <laughs> i'm allowed i'm allowed to curse right i'm not i'm not sure your show is at least pg-13 correct you, you want to know something you can curse as much as you want sir i'm, I'm actually going to try to not curse today though because i've been cussing a lot at least i've been told so and, and uh, the feedback emails i've been getting is i say the f word almost every other word so today i'm going to take it easy and i'm going to try not to cuss but you can say whatever you okay. want i'll fill it i'll fill in the gaps you know. You know, I'm believable for, for, you know, for sure. <laughs> but, so, but yeah, I, uh, I, I'm always uh, putting yeah. off the, the returning to the podcast world and uh, just um, been been busy and, uh, you know, busy with very, you know, I have ADHD and things are always shifting. So I think the last time we talked about it, I was uh, looking at uh, the things in the, the cannabis world and uh, I'm not sure when, when I updated you last, but uh, kind of uh, put sort of put that on hold for now. That's uh you know, it's the kind of world that if you don't have an investor behind you, you're not going to get very far. And I had so many problems with so many investors that promised the world and fell through for me and just sort of got tired of that one. So uh, if I were, if there's any millionaires out there that really want to invest, you know, let me know. But until then, I'm going to find different ways, you know, find different ways, of course, right? <laughs> Well, it's kind of hard to find an investor now because but, everything's uncertain. And I mean, it's, of course, it's going to be kind of hard to start a business. You know, it's, it's just it's just very uncertain times. Just, you know, no one knows what's going on. You got inflation today. The report just came out and they threw what 8.5% inflation, 7% jump since last year. Absolutely insane. So it's going to be hard to find an investor with a business. So that's why you got to get back on that podcasting thing. Man. There's good money in this. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think there there definitely is, and it's definitely a, a good way to get your voice out there. And just building an audience is is it became uh, it became more fun actually just being on Twitter trying to build an audience than it actually became doing the podcast, and that's kind of what I got to do. So, but I've uh, been into other been into other things lately. I got a few things to talk about. I actually want to hear something cool. I've actually been doing substitute teaching. <laughs> Really? It's yeah, yeah. We're kind of looking for a, a gig that uh, is more more flexible and stuff, and it's a fun gig. I mean, it doesn't pay crap, you know, compared to you know other things I've done to make money. Sure. But you know, you've got time and flexibility to run side side game like I always do, and uh, and it's a fun. I mean, it's with you're a substitute teacher, you are a fucking rock star. You walk into that classroom, and they're like, "Yes, we got a summon it, Mister Hayden. We love this guy." Yes. <laughs> so it's like I, I walk in, I'm just like, I love seeing you guys at seven in the morning because you're all fucking happy to see me because you lost the boring ass crappy teacher, and you got the guy that doesn't care if you swear all that much, you know. <laughs> well, and that's one thing they've they've. Yeah, you know, I try to correct the students for swearing, and they're just yeah. like, "Dude, you didn't realize how bad." You know? I'm like, "I probably do, but let's try it again." Okay. <laughs> well, 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 you're being a substitute teacher brings me to something I, I, I do want to talk to you about, and I kind of want to save this for later. But the whole thing with with teachers now, which is going on, and I know I'm sure you guys have been watching the news. I've been actually watching less, but you can't get away from this, especially being on Twitter as much as we are. The whole thing with the the teachers talking to students about things they shouldn't be talking to students about. And I know you guys are up there in uh, Michigan, so that's a very blue state. Do you see any of that with those shenanigans going on? I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I've experienced it personally. I I think uh, my, my kids are so, it's so normal to them and it's not a big deal. And they're like, oh yeah, my, they'll refer to their classmate as they, and it kind of throws me. And I'm like, and I'll ask, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, they're, they're non-binary. I'm just like, that it to me it's so normal to them that i don't even know if it phases them but yeah i mean do it, doing it to, to kindergartners who gives that sense you know, kindergartners don't even think about that and you know you know it's it's not a big thing to me i, I don't know if it's happening in the schools but it, it seems like the kids get exposed to so much of it in the media and so much of it the teachers don't need to tell kids because they get it figured out but we're pretty young so I think when you try to compare it to like what would I have done when I was six years old and the teacher started talking to me about sex and I'm, I think that would have blown my mind. And <laughs> exactly. I think that would have blown my mind. I can't even relate, but I'm like I'm trying to relate into my my kids' world, mm-hmm. and it's it's just so not a thing to them anymore. And it, it's you know I, so I think I don't think it's a, that big of a deal, at least not in my world. I don't think, yeah. and I think by the time the teachers are talking about it, the kids are like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we get it. We, we watch this TV show. Trust me. <laughs> now, you see, my whole view on it is like, I just don't think it's their place. I don't think it's a teacher's place to be the one to deliver that message, especially because that's not what that would, you know, they're not hired for that. They're hired to teach the kid, you know, ABCs or math or science, whatever, you know, their specialty is. I just don't see that being a conversation that they should have, especially being a stranger. You know, you only have them for one year and then the kid moves on. It's like you're the constant in their lives being the parent. I just feel like it's the parent's responsibility, not some teacher to just throw their own ideas on them. When it comes to something so personal as sex and preferences and gender, I just just feel like they should take a hands off on that one. You're you're right, and and I think you're right in in a sense that yeah, that isn't the person that should be talking about you that. But another thing, you know, I'm, I'm a huge libertarian. And I'm like, it's definitely not the government's yeah. place to say anything. I mean, to at all, just just in, in my overall opinion, is you, should, you don't need to make laws. But I think you know societal norms need to apply, and kindergartners they don't need to know crap. But yeah, you're you're right. Should should is one thing, but 
also should the government intervene is a whole other ball of wax in my in my world you know yeah yeah well i always think of it this way too is like would it make sense in a different atmosphere so if i go up to a kid in like a walmart some random kid and i say hey kid do you know what two plus two is and the kid's like four and then i ask them a random question about history people are going to think that's weird but it's not illegal but if i go up to some random kid in walmart and say hey kid guess what i did with my spouse last night and get a little in detail <laughs> that's where it gets weird so it's like if it's not appropriate here it shouldn't be appropriate there either and that's just where i come yeah, from that might thing. get you you know it's that might get you in a few lists i think if you start doing it at walmart so you got a point there but like, those are the kind yeah, of things well. that i do and like my little weird twisted mind is i'll take a situation and then be like all right well would it work in this situation kind of like when people say you know random horrible shit and then I like to play the flip side. All right, well, then let's replace that word with another one and then see if yeah. this one sounds a certain way. And then they're like, yeah, it does sound wrong when you say it that way. And all right, then why are you saying it this way? And try to challenge people that way with that little bit of way of thinking. But it's, it's polarizing, man. And, you know, I, I recently cut out television. We, we cut the cord since last time we talked. And what? my life has gotten so much easier I don't watch the news anymore as much. You know, I, I cut back. I used to be a hundred percent all day long, just plugged in. Once you unplug your life just starts getting better, but I see this on Twitter and that's you're, the you're big dropping out to tune in, drop is what did Timothy Leary say? Tune in, drop out or whatever. Yep. <laughs> I think it involved LSD also, but yeah, I think it probably involved turning TV. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. you're getting out of the marijuana business, huh? Well, at least what I'm, what I've not been focusing on. I've, uh, I've, I've, my, my, my interests have grown over the last year, maybe a year and a half or so. I started uh, reading a year and a half ago about uh, cryptocurrency. It was just kind of a cool counterculture thing for me. And, you know, I'm a, kind of a nerd myself, a little closet, a bit of a nerd. And, uh, I started really getting interested in the, the nuts and bolts and, and kind of understanding blockchain and understanding. And I've come to understand that, you know, blockchain is really more than, than what what Bitcoin is really is really, and it's gonna gonna be a lot bigger part of our lives than anybody, anybody understands. So that's a big statement, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about this at all. I don't. Oh, know cool. Well, uh, yeah, I, I've got I've got all the knowledge in the world to keep it interesting. But um, basically, I, I've um, Bitcoin and things like that. Um, the when you hear blockchain, you've heard the word blockchain, I'm sure, right? Yes, that yeah, I, I'm um, familiar with the phrase. I just I just don't understand it. Okay, when you think of like a bank, they have a central ledger that holds all of their accounts, all of their transactions. They have to keep one central file or one big book, right? Yeah. In, in a bank, right? Yeah. Well, sure. Bitcoin has, Bitcoin has this, and it's called the blockchain. Okay. Well, the blockchain. When you hear blockchain, think central ledger that holds everything. Okay. Um, and rather than one copy of the blockchain for for Bitcoin, for instance, there is. A, a lot of identical copies. In fact, anybody running a node on Bitcoin has the same copy of the same file, which holds all of the accounts, all of the transactions in the history of Bitcoin are all in this one file called the blockchain, right? Yeah. Um, that is basically the, the gist of it is everybody has the same file. So it's as good as having one central file because it's identical to each other. And they're always checking each other to make sure everybody has the same file and if there's anything different, the the system figures it out and makes sure that it's not an illegitimate transaction. So it's it's basically run for I think 16 years now. Bitcoin in Bitcoin's case, it's run perfectly. There's never been a mistake. So okay. it's really really cool, huh? But um, 
Bitcoin itself is just a way to transfer Bitcoin. It's just the Bitcoin themselves is has a value and you move it around and it's designed to be deflationary uh, as opposed to our dollar, which is designed to be the opposite, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> rather than in the programming of Bitcoin itself is designed to for the value to naturally increase. I mean, it uh, people have to solve complicated problems with their computers and the problems get ever more complicated and ever less rewarding for solving these problems. So in that, and that happens, you, you create value uh, because it's harder to get them as they go. There's, there's 19 million Bitcoin today and there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. So most of them exist and the ones that are left are going to be really hard to get. In fact, there's companies that are building like computer farms in the arctic circle just cranking out heat day and night to to mine mine these things you know so it's out there they're working very very hard computers are working so hard that they're melting themselves trying to mine these things isn't that crazy shit me no no that no they actually are building it's cheaper to build in a, a vault in the arctic circle because they're creating so much heat by thinking so hard hmm. uh, they use you know all kinds of complicated computers to think so hard that they melt themselves if you can't provide cool air so they, they actually heat Jeez. themselves in the arctic at the arctic circle <laughs> so that's that's how insane and that's what the one thing i don't like about bitcoin is that's called pow that's called proof of work okay. so in order to mine a new bitcoin out of the system or a new fraction of a bitcoin you need to think ridiculously hard on a computing scale and bitcoin itself is using 10 percent of the world's electricity right that's no. insane. It's, it's insane. ridiculous. And it's it's money wasted. It's electricity wasted. And it's being taken away from people who are using it to like keep cool in the summertime. And I know in India they had these problems where people were mining these Bitcoin farms that were sucking all the electricity away from villages and people were dying because the air conditioners were cut out all summer because these idiots were mining Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, how, so how is this Bitcoin backed? How, how is it supported? Because we all know our, our cash is supported, obviously, by the U.S. Treasury. But but what is this Bitcoin backed by? Well, it's backed by you. It's backed by the faith that someone's going to want it from you. I mean, that's the only thing huh. backing it is the fact that you Sounds own it on the risky. blockchain. It's oh, forgot. It, it's incredibly risky because it, it, in the essence, with nothing behind it, Bitcoin is a Ponzi scam. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in the minority of Bitcoin enthusiasts who say this, but it will eventually fail. It will eventually, the, the model is, is built on, it needs to be harder and harder and more expensive and more expensive to mine these things. And eventually the system is designed that it's going to be, you can't go to infinity and the system will fail. So it's not anytime soon, you know, Bitcoin won't fail mm. soon, but at some point the system is designed to be unsustainable but I think what it does to me is promote the, the, the type of technology, the blockchain technology, which is way more useful than winning the lottery with Bitcoin or something like that. Um, sure. So that's why I've, I've sort of gotten into it. And beyond just uh, on the blockchain, uh, some coins beyond Bitcoin, Bitcoin can only, you can only move Bitcoins in the blockchain. Uh, other coins, you can move anything. You can move contracts. You can put contracts in the blockchain to where, let's say, for instance, I wanted to buy a Ferrari from somebody in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's no way for me to, you know, the transaction would be incredibly, you'd have to have a third party and it'd be incredibly expensive and risky. But what I can say is do a smart contract to say, Hey, 
you ship, I, I pay you in, in the, into the blockchain in a, into, a, into a contract, which is locked and locks the money in. So I pay you your 150 grand for the Ferrari. The money is locked in the contract until I agree and take possession of this. And the contract automatically unlocks the money for you and Dubai for selling me the Ferrari. Um, that it's the, you know, the money's there. It's locked in the contract. But until I actually take possession of it, that money is nobody's. So if I refuse the payment, I take my money back without, you know, I, you know, a certain percentage taken for the shipping or whatever. If I fail, if the kind of the Ferrari fails to meet my expectations and I take my money back and you're out nothing as the seller because the, the shipping's paid for. So that, if you think about it that way, a lot of things like beginning with Ethereum, a lot of the blockchains are able to put things like that into their contract. And that opens up the whole, that, that sort of thing, because Everything is going to be done this way someday. Every large transaction will be done this way because it protects everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I like it, but I, there's something about removing cash. And call me old school. I just don't like the fact that physical money will one day be extinct. I mean, I personally use my debit card more than anything, and I rarely have more than $20 cash in my pocket as is. But there's still well, something about removing the option that I, 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 I don't like that. Well, I'm sort of a, a little bit more of a pirate in that game, and I, I've, I'm trying to get more more of my money out of that system. And I've got uh, I've gotten into NFTs, and that's kind of what I really wanted to talk about. What's really been exciting? To yes, this, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about as well. I heard about them non fungible tokens, but I have no fucking idea. Oh, damn it! I fucked up. Yeah, damn it! I ruined. Let's it. get. I, I cussed. No, no, cool. Oh, yeah, the, oh, yeah. I was, I was, I was trying to be a good boy. Good fuck it. <laughs> Forty minutes. Fuck it. Right. <laughs> fuck All right, it. brother. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, the, the NFT is, is yeah, not, like you said, non-fungible token. When you think about Bitcoin, that is a fungible token. So okay. that any Bitcoin is the same as any other Bitcoin. I can give you one, you give me one, and it doesn't, no one really cares because everything is the same. So it's more of like a, if you compare it to the traditional investments, more like a stock. That one mm-hmm. stock of GM is equal to any other stock of GM. And I give you one, you give me one, no one cares, right? Um, uh, NFT, uh, I think about it this way, it's more like a bond. So any w- bond from GM issued, you got to look at the bond's language to say what percentage, what, what's the, the terms of this bond. Every bond is a little bit different. That's kind of like an NFT. Every NFT is a little bit different. So, um, it, it, yeah, in this, in the essence, a lot of them, you're buying a picture, a JPEG for a billion dollars. And that's what everyone's insane about is these are the, these are today's pet rock. And this JPEG is worth a million dollars. That blows people's fucking mind. Um, you've probably, that's been your exposure as you've heard about these fucking apes that are worth a million dollars for the cheapest one and $17 million for the most expensive one. And what the fuck are these things, right? Is that what you're saying basically? Yourself? Yeah, I, I still have no fucking clue what the hell an NFT is because I, I, I saw some guy on Twitter. He was like, yeah, I'm selling NFTs. And it was just like him flexing. And I'm like, is he selling a fucking picture of himself? Because if so, I can just screenshot this, you know, crop it. And I have that picture. So why are you selling it? If I can just have it myself for free on the internet, that I can't wrap my head around it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what, that's what most of people can't wrap their head around. And it's rather than, yeah, you, this is a picture that you own and your ownership is written on the blockchain and that has value, but yeah, anybody can steal it from you. So there's gotta be something more to it. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of these things have what's called utility. Utility is a huge word in this industry, and they, they actually do something, right? So they these these NFTs, like you take take the apes for example, the uh, the board ape yacht club. I mean, the people paid I think less than a hundred dollars a piece to make these to beginning, 
and they're worth more more than a million dollars. So they've got to have some value beyond that they're original and there's no one else that can say they have one, right? They've yeah. got to do something else. So they, there's something called tokenomics, which is basically you're creating an artificial economy. You're kind of creating your own coin, your own fungible token, so that your NFT, your non-fungible token, shits fungible tokens. And in that sense, you know, isn't that kind of cool? And that's what these, for instance, this board API clone, I forget the token they shit. I think it's uh, bananas or something like that. But they are apes. They, uh, you know, dollar sign ape. They actually, you own this NFT and every so often the company airdrops some of these tokens to these fungible tokens, which are now tradable. People can actually buy the tokens that this NFT has shit. So if the NFT went from value of $70 to a million dollars, then obviously these tokens that shit might go up in value too. And they have. So Uh people who own these NFTs without even selling them or getting rich, just selling these stupid tokens, these things are shit. So they're creating an artificial economy. And and you're you're thinking to yourself, this is a Ponzi scheme, right? Because there's certain, this can only go so far, right? Absolutely. That's why, that's kind of what, I sort of surmise is most uh, most of these 95 plus percent of these, regardless of how much they're going up in value, will eventually be worthless because they're built on on sort of ever increasing uh, people interested in them. And as soon as the interest drops, these things are going to go to zero. So that's really what I think of, of a lot of this market. And that's, you know, that's what you mean. The, you know, people say the pet rock for rich people. That's what I think of a lot of this market. But, but you know, there's always a but, right? Yeah, I think there's some... There's some ways to apply this, what really makes sense is that if there is, it's an incredible way to raise money, right? I mean, it's these companies sell these things for a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever they sell them for at the beginning. But every time one of these have traded, they get a percentage of royalties, right? Sure. Start to do a little bit, start to do a little bit of math. So this guy didn't make who made these apes didn't get paid very much for selling his apes. He got paid. Now they're trading for a million dollars a piece. He gets like five, 10% of that. Do that math. Every time one of those trades, that guy is getting money. Yeah, and that's, it sounds like it sounds incredible. like a freaking Ponzi scheme, uh, Ponzi scheme to me, right? Just just by the way you're explaining it to me, you know, like those pyramid, like it's like my uncle used to fucking be infamous for doing this shit. He, he used to walk right. around with these pamphlets, say, "Hey, sign up for this," or "Hey, uh, here's a." He used to give out these AOL discs for people that had computers because this is going back to the '90s when those fucking discs used to come out. Oh, you get like 20 mm-hmm. hours of AOL. He used to go to people's houses and give them a disc if they had a computer and say, "Here's a website." And he would put his website on there, so they would go to the website and visit, and they would sign up with this site. And he used to scam them, and he used to sign up under him, not even knowing by clicking this link <laughs> with this free disc. And he had them under him making him money. So he was making, let's say, for argument's sake, ten dollars. They'd be making nine. The person under them making eight. And then when they right. signed up, people he'd be making eleven, and they'd make ten. And that, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, to me. But if you think about it this way, it's also potentially an incredible way for a company to raise capital. That if there is a revenue generating business at the end of the at the end of the road here, let's say the company, yeah, we're going to do these NFTs and they're going to be deflationary. That people are going to make money, but we're going to take this money and create a business out. And that's the value as far as I'm concerned. And the, the, the first application this is going to work is in video games. I mean, follow me. I mean, you're, you're a video gamer too. Oh yeah, you're absolutely. Gamer. You've got to be a video gamer. Absolutely. Think about it this way. Rather than, um, you know, you, you played World of Warcraft or some of those RPGs oh, yeah. or whatever like that. The big time. Um, I, I think those games, uh, if you incorporate uh, NFTs, into those games and this is happening whether people like it or not nfts will be incorporated into these games and that 
your your ownership when you when you win the sword of destiny or when you win the medal of honor or whatever in, in your game, mm-hmm. the ownership of that is going to be on the blockchain. But that's going to be in your wallet because it's on the blockchain. It's going to be tradable forever unless unless you sell it, it's yours forever. And it's actually going to be have value because these things are all going to be traded. And there's going to be value to everything in that game so that if you don't want to play for the Medal of Honor, you can pay $200 in uh, whatever cryptocurrency that NFT is written on to just have that and to they, skip they the kind of have that now. Yeah, they kind of have that now in a lot of these games, though, where you can pay to, uh, like, not pay to win, but pay to uh, accelerate, rather. Where you're pay to like, skip some of the grind. Yeah. Like, yeah, but if you look at the economies that Roblox, I mean, Roblox for a Ooh. while... It was more valuable than the Russian ruble. Mm -hmm. They created an artificial economy based on nothing that was bigger than fucking Russia. Well, did you ever hear the game Second (laughs) Life? That's pretty incredible, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that one. That was it's so sad. <laughs> dude, it was one of those games, man. It was straight up porno. I, I, I found it one day, and there was just an advertisement on one of these sites that I was just saying, and it wasn't a porn site. This this wasn't made for porn. It was made for people to connect and just have a good time. So the way they built the game was like, oh, you can have a second life in this game. So I'm like, that sounds cool, you know. And I was getting off of Warcraft. It was one of the many times I quit for a couple of months and came back. So I made this character, and the first thing I see is, like, this giant dick on some fucking character and these <laughs> humongous boobs on another one. And I'm in this club, and, and I'm like, what the fuck? How did I get here? And I guess somebody warped me to this place, and there's sex and strippers. And this is, like, horrible graphics. I'm talking about PS1 Resident Evil graphics. But it was still – it blew my mind, and they got this chat room, and, and people are tipping at the bars, and real money's being exchanged I actually watched a special on TV a couple of years back about Second Life. It's probably on YouTube, so check it out, where they actually mm-hmm. dug into the economy. People were making like six figures a year by running like restaurants in-game that people would go there and spend money on their avatars. So it's not like you're spending That's... like fake currency. You're spending real currency for your fake character to enjoy a fake drink. It's weird, right? Oh, it's a trillion-dollar industry per year. Trillion-dollar-plus is spent on this per year. And that's why I think applying this blockchain thing on top of it is going to be gigantic. I mean, it's a very under interested industry, but you start and, and beyond just applying these these items, they're actually using NFTs to kind of be, uh, do startups. Um, that, that's what I got involved in. Some of these some of these people who are enthusiasts and want to start a game and have a great idea for a game, good artists, but don't have the the millions of dollars of, of you know, PlayStation put into a game or anybody could put into a game can sell games, can sell NFTs to early people based on the ideas with sort of a promise that, hey, yeah, we're going to be generating a lot of money through selling these tokens. And, you know, we could always, you know, share, um, you know, some of the riches at, at the end. And there's, 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 there's problems with promising things like that as far as, I mean, play, games have gotten into trouble with promising things like that because technically it's securities, uh, you know, you get into securities problems mm-hmm. and, you know, but um, if you've done correctly and you can already, you can kind of generate the, the economy of the game before the game even releases and give value to the tokens, the, the game, give value to uh, the eventual game tokens when the game eventually plays that players want these tokens so much and there's a dollar value and you can actually go to investors and say hey we spent we raised you know half a million dollars or whatever in just selling nfts for this game um, there's a dollar value to the tokens in this game did you want to buy a fraction of every time we sell one of these tokens you get a, you get a chunk and people are spending millions venture capitalists are spending millions on future economies 
Isn't that insane? Very much so. I'm, I, it's blown my mind because there, there is a huge amount of this happening in a game that I play on my iPad called The Walking Dead Road to Survival, where you can pay to like get better players and whatnot. I just play it for fun, and of course, other people are blown right by me. Now, just based off of, based off of everything you just said here, it kind of does scare me a little bit because th- you know how these well, things go. I- Sure. I, I think a, a lot of these are, you know, are not going to, or players are going to hate it or they're going to be too, too much play to earn and they're not going to be sustainable. But if you can create an economy that is sustainable, where it's fun for a player to either sp- spend nothing or spend five, 10 bucks to, to mint a brand new character and to grind that character through the various game and to great create a lot of value for themselves and value for their money. I, I think it's but it, it's going to create um, create a, a fun economy. It's going to create a fun game and make it more, make mm-hmm. it more fun. Make it more exciting. When you think about like the excitement of it being in a casino, even when you're playing nickel slots, being yeah. in a casino and that little bit of chance you might hit this for a million dollars. There's a little bit of chance in NFTs that you might kill the right creature and blow the right guy up and make a million dollars. You know, there's there's that chance and that increases a little bit if you've got that chance you know and if you happen to create a great character in a game that blows the fuck up um there's a chance you could sell that character for enough to pay for college <laughs> can you imagine a teenager grinding his way through for two years and selling his character and, and paying for columbia university or something like that isn't that insane to think about that's why i think that the the, the value of these things is going to be too much because of the amount of inflation they've invented with this tokenomics and the amount of crazy, crazy people that are going to get involved in this game. And that's, I've gotten involved in, in a game called, uh, uh, or early, uh, called House of Sparta. And, you know, the NFT gaming thing is way underbought and it's actually a great way uh, to, to get in early. And they've got a program where they're taking some of the money, some of the royalties they generate and some of the money they generate goes into a pool that's locked for the people who own, the, own these NFTs. And they have real money locked away that they're going to buy stuff and drop stuff for us for, for waiting for this game. The game won't play till later this year, but because you're, you're an early buyer, because you're early interested in this game, they're going to go out and spend real money on real NFTs, mother companies that just drop them to us. <laughs> That's just kind of, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's cool. But the thing is, is there's, there's going to be so much competition. If this thing does take off, let's say, you know, the NFTs and everything, we go into this world where it's become more of a virtual transaction kind of deal. There's going to be a lot of competition. I mean, there's just a ton of them now and only a few of them stand out. Do you think this is going to oh, be a viable sure. way for people to make careers, like actual careers? For sure. But you got to pick right. That's the thing. You got to be, you got to find a game that it makes a lot of sense and it will appeal to a lot of people and you got to get it right. And that's the, and that's the hard part is, well, that's, that's the difficult part. And that's the good part. If you're really into gaming, you can look at games and I think you could kind of feel which game seems like it'd be something you wouldn't mind spending a weekend, you know, belting away playing. Cause I, yeah, I just got games I've gotten into and there's games I've tried that I'm just like, there's no, fucking, there's no one playing this. And if you think, if you know games well and you know, which games are fun, which ones that make sense. When you apply NFT to that, if you get a hundred million people who are able to play that for free and grind away, you're creating an economy. I mean, without even trying, you're creating an economy and you're yeah. creating a economy, a billion dollar economy. So if you pick the right game and you get in early and you get it locked in on the contract into a smart contract that you own a chunk of this game, you're an early investor, not just trying to play. You're an owner. Of the, you're the owner in this game. You know? So just like you own, 
I am so afraid of what this is going to do to people because I can see motherfuckers just being on this shit day and night, 24-7, just playing, and it becoming a Ready Player One scenario where, like, no one leaves their house anymore without the COVID excuse. I just think <laughs> people are going to be plugged the fuck into this thing. And in real life, yeah, issues yeah. are going to be un- unresolved. I mean, we're going we're gonna to need plumbers and people that are good with their hands. They're going to have everyone doing this shit. It's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah, I remember, like, I think it was Warcraft when it released. There was all kinds of reports of people just dropping <laughs> dead because they played for three days without eating and just living uh-huh. on coffee and amphetamines and shit, just yep. absolutely dying because their heart's just like, I cannot take this one. Yeah, yeah, so it, that's definitely a problem, and I think there's going to be way more uh, addiction issues with, with, with phones and games. Once you can win money and make a career out of this, who the hell is going to get out of bed? If you can just if you can make fifty grand a year playing on your phone, playing a video game, yeah, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking about the problem side of it. I'm thinking about how much money you can be able to generate. I mean, trillions, trillions of dollars is is coming, and uh, yeah, but it's, it's going to make people unhealthy for sure. Yeah, you know, I was always thinking like a, something like a Pokemon Go, but actually making money. Can you imagine how much? If people were making money chasing around invisible creatures, I mean, people are going to be run over in traffic 24 yeah, seven if that absolutely. happens. If someone could make a hundred bucks chasing around little stupid invisible penguins all day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue there, there's a ton of money to be made with this, but like, I don't know how to fix a fucking toilet to save my life. I don't know how to do roofing. I, I don't know how to make a table. I mean, it'd be the most lopsided fucking table you'd ever see if I tried. That's yeah. what I'm worried about. People giving up that part of life and just getting all well, digital. Yeah. I mean, you're getting, you're going to be to the point. I, I, this, I made this prediction before and I stand behind it within 20 years, there'll be more things, there'll be more money in the world. That's, that's exists in digital assets that aren't tangible than, than things, than, than boats and cars. There's going to be more, there's going to be, you're not going to own a car in the future. You're going to own a piece of a pool that of, of self-driving cars that when you need it, it's there for, you. uh, you're not going to, you're not going to own things. You're not going to own a, There's not going to be, there's not going to be a deed to property. It's going to be a blockchain thing. Why would property need to have a central file that holds all these stupid deeds that if there's a fire, they're gone when it could be written on the blockchain and cannot be taken away from you and cannot be removed in any way. And yeah, why? So there'll be more, there'll be more of the economy that's priced in digital assets than actual things that are viable and touchable. But that's the way the world's going. And it's, it's, it's something you, it can scare the shit out of you, but it's something you can't fight against because it's going to happen. And, you know, NFTs are going to, it's going to be ubiquitous in our world. It's going to be a thing that is going to be connected to so many things and so many contracts and so many things that it's, it's, it'd be just stupid to do a regular contract because you got to rely on someone to pay their bills. You got to rely on that account to be there. You got, but in a smart contract, that money is locked and it's got to be there for the contract to start. And it's got to be yours when the contract completes or else it goes back to them. So there's, there, there's no way to get around this world. You know what I'm saying, brother? So well, embrace it. BlackRock out there. I mean, you got that company BlackRock buying up all these homes, buying up all this property. And you know what they say, you'll own nothing and you will like it. And we're headed towards that great reset, man. And I, I, you know, I think it's really grim, but how far up do you think we are from this realistically? We're, we're not far from, it really depends. It's hard to predict because it depends on the Federal Reserve's reaction to things, and that's what we're at the mercy of. But there's there's a crash coming in bonds, in corporate bonds. There's a crash coming, and it just depends on how they react to the crash, 
how bad it will get, how much it will, you know, contage, you know, can catch the rest of the world on fire. Um, but, you know, China can throw us over the edge. But that's where we're the most vulnerable is in corporate bonds. You remember me saying this? So if it crashes, you remember I said this. Corporate bonds is where, is where, is where the problem is right now. And that's the next thing to come. So it's just the Fed's reaction to how the next crash is going to happen is what, you know, sort of the future is going to be. And that's why it's hard to predict things like this. Uh, it's easier to predict that video games will be, you know, a that you've got trillions of dollars uh, already of, of a market. And it's easier to predict that hey, I, I think this game's going to be going to be valuable. And that's why that's why I got into crypto is it's so tied to the market and so tied to the Fed's reaction. And the NFT market is so underbought right now, especially in gaming, that it, it's a no brainer to me uh, as far as where to invest my money and where to where to put it. So uh, you know that's that's kind of what I'm thinking is NFT gaming right now is about the only thing I can see with future. Uh, that that looks good because I see a lot of shit falling. I see a lot of problems right now. We're going through stagflation. Everyone's afraid of that, but we are going through stagflation. And that, that shit's scary. That but when the economy is shit, it's good fertilizer, you know. And things can grow in good fertilizer. So things happen. You know, things nothing goes in a straight line forever. But as things crash this year, your, your giants are being built right now. The next round of Googles and Microsofts, and you know they were built in. You know, the app thing about the economy of when Apple and Microsoft were built, those were built in stagflation, horrible fucking economies because. You know, they were looking for the next round of giants. And that's what they're building right now is the next round of giants in the shit economy. And the next round of giants is going to be in NFT gaming. I think there's going to be some giants that grow out of this and that are going to beat things like PlayStation and, and, you know, Sony and Microsoft to the punch because people get tired of Microsoft buying everything. And it's kind of cool if companies can exist without Microsoft buying them up, you know? And I, I think video gamers are, are some of the people that, you know, that are really, they're really tired of these big gaming companies just churning out sort of cookie cutter games and they turned into Hollywood, the movie industry. Yeah, they just have. Crap. No, they, there's no, there's have. no, there's no inventiveness in video games. Everything is kind of a safe and a sequel and garbage. And, and you look at some of the early NFT gamings, there's some really, really creative games. Like I'm, I'm uh, sort of involved in the prop, prop a platform called fractal it's by the guy who uh, invented who did twitch uh, justin khan it's okay. you know there's there's actually th- they just raised 35 million dollars on fractal you know uh, real real world money and real you know on, on an nft gaming platform and you know, there's a lot of excitement and future into it but there's not a lot of public interest in, in nft gaming and they're they're they you know like i said they raised 35 million dollars in real world money so the world knows that there's money into this. They're just not quite sure how how it'll pan out and how gamers will respond. And that's why the some of the bigger companies are dipping their toes in. They're sort of interested, but not too interested because they don't know how billions of gamers are going to respond to the way this is going to change. But if you think about it, if, if you're the average gamer, I think you're you're kind of a, a good consumer, a good consumer test case. If you can get the same game that you might have spent 50 bucks on, get it for 10 bucks. And it's the same game and it's the same amount of fun. Aren't you happier as a consumer? Oh, absolutely. Who wouldn't be? And, and if you absolutely. could sell that character for 200 bucks when you get tired of the game and want to pass it off and it's way more popular than when you started, I mean, doesn't it make it better? I mean, that, as, a, as a gamer, doesn't that, isn't it kind of fucking awesome that your time gets spent on something that may be worth money in the future? Awesome. It's awesome to me. You're basically building equity when you're leveling up your character and collecting all these uh, rare items and shit throughout your journeys. You can say, I, I, I see what you mean. You could basically take this character from level one to level 100 
have all the rare items and then flip it in the future to someone that may want to hop in and not waste their time doing what you did. Yeah, or you can look at it and say, hey, along the way, I can spend... I can spend 10 bucks on this sword to make it easier. I can spend 20 bucks on this yeah. thing to make it easier. And maybe my thing be worth money and maybe it won't. And, and that creates a huge economy. And if the, if the, the gaming company manages that economy well, and, and you know, doesn't uh, allow it to inflate or deflate, or it's like managing, a, it's like managing a whole a country's economy. You're creating an artificial economy. And I've always loved the idea of, of you know inflation or deflation within games like i played star wars galaxy i'm that fucking old. this is 20 years ago star wars galaxy is one of the first mmorpgs that i played and just understanding how the credits worked and how things got more expensive and less expensive as things that happened and it was just cool to me that that amount of control and that amount of money is changing hands and that amount of you've created this artificial world and when you start to plug in cryptocurrency into this world uh it, you know you could really and you could really uh, create careers out of this stuff, man. I mean, lots of teenagers are going to drop out and play this game forever, you know? Absolutely. You know what? It reminds me of Grand Theft Auto V. That's the first one that comes to mind. That game has its own actual economy. People are spending real-world money. Right. I, I think that's the first one to do it, isn't it, as far as the real-world money is concerned with the, with the big title? I think they were one of the first to actually embrace it. I mean, you were able to buy and sell characters. I think some of the early games would try to prevent you from doing that, but yeah. you were able to, I think with Warcraft, you could able to sell, you know, sell characters or shit like that. So I think they've always been, it's always been there and the desires would be, yeah, I think Grand Theft Auto was one of the first ones to, to really embrace it and, and sort of allow it. But uh, yeah, I think there, when you start, when you build the game throughout, you build the game on this NFT platform or on this, this blockchain platform, um, I think it sort of adds a, another another sense to it. And when you build it on a coin that, like, let's say you build it on a coin that it's worth a hundred bucks when you start playing the game, and when you go to sell it, not only is your NFT worth money, but maybe the coin you bought it on is worth two grand. Holy shit, huh? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Absolutely. Jesus, that's like, hey, let me ask you a random ass question here, real quick. Yeah. Let me ask you sure. one random ass question. You are on TMZ. I don't know how the hell we skirted past that. And I wanted to ask oh, you no. about that. How the fuck did you get on TMC? How did that happen? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think I commented. Um, on, I took like a, a pretty strong stance because Howard Stern had, uh, he had bitched. Yeah, but I was, it was based, Howard Stern. Oh, he was talking about um, uh, somebody in football, Aaron Rodgers, I think. Yeah, Howard the vaccine, Stern called the him a horrible person because yeah. he didn't get the vaccine. And he sort of like skirted the question and Howard Stern had basically said, kick him off the planet and shit. So I called <laughs> Howard kind of the pussy uh, on TMZs and I said that he jumped the shark and shit. So yeah. they, 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 they called me, they, they DM'd me and said, Hey, did you want to appear at TMZ? I was like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so they, they, you know, I think it was the next day or something. They just said, here, go on to, uh, they use Skype, I think. And then we go on to Skype and, uh, just uh they told me to say your name and where you're from i totally forgot that part i started talking but yeah i i call i insulted howard see i was trying to get a reaction out of howard stern make it big but i called him a, i called i said he was like uh he's breaking my heart i was a longtime supporter and i called him uh, don imus <laughs> i said he'd become don imus and he used to be a, a supporter for rights and now he's mm-hmm. you know you know, he's bipolar. So, yeah, I basically was trying to insult Howard Stern as much as I could because he's really broken. He's really changed and broken my heart yeah. lately. What happened so, to him? I don't know. He got married to the Bath Ostrowski girl. I think that's really when he started to turn the corner. 
and he's gotten so he used to be so cool and so like anti-establishment and you know anti-everything and he would just support whatever candidate said sounded kind of cool and he but now he's gotten so so left-wing and so you know cause all these political causes and he's a vegan and he's you know hates animal cruelty and it just gets exhausting it's like dude he used to be for lesbians and for freedom and for swearing and for saying horrible things on the air and you've just sort of turned into a pussy and now you're pro-vaccine so you sound like a douchebag Right now. <laughs> okay. Rita's here. Rita's here breaking my oh, there she is. There she is giving a little, give a little run in there. What's going on, girlfriend? How you doing? <laughs> I'm okay. I just walked in at an odd moment when he was going on. <laughs> I was like, you yeah. guys are pigs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we're not that. We, you know, we're not. <laughs> pigs per se we're just you're just very opinionated guys having a good conversation here you know always love having you guys here on the show but i do agree though about howard being a prick he's he's a fucking asshole i oh i think he is you think he's an asshole but you were oh. here telling me I, I was making fun of howard stern and you walked in and you're like okay. you're being a prick well, no, it was you should have seen it from my perspective okay i guess I, I i didn't know from her perspective but i was being a prick at the time so you know no, no i walked <laughs> oh man well you know the thing is everything you said was valid though How, howard stern i don't know if there's any one person who should have been canceled it's him but the left has this weird way of uh, protecting people that are on their side no matter what crimes they may have committed in the past you know by their own virtues now howard he's stern got such a, he's just he's a got such a tight group of, of goony ass supporters that just yeah. follow him anything and he's always had kind of a couple hundred thousand really really huge supporters Supporters and that will just you know call his show and and I used to be one of those guys. I used to have I actually bought a lifetime's contract with Sirius you know, when when they were like going through their mm-hmm. worst their worst economic. This is during the Great Depression, I think, the Great Recession. I bought a lifetime contract for like next to nothing and listened to Howard. I actually was developing a New York accent for a while, and I think I still have a little bit of a New York accent just because I would listen to. I was in traveling sales and would listen to ten, twelve hours a day of Howard Stern, and I was I started talking like a New Yorker because that's the only person, the only human I ever interacted <laughs> with was him. <laughs> oh Jesus, you don't want to mimic a New Yorker's. Dude, that place is such a shithole now. Have you been paying attention to what's been going on in New York, man? They're trying to mask the fucking kids. Like, yeah, they had a machine gun, dude. dude. They had some dude open a, open fire in the subway in Brooklyn this morning. What there the was all fuck? kinds of videos about it. Yeah, there was. It looked like that he was shooting at feet or something because everybody had everybody's uh, their wounds looked like they were below the knee or whatever. So I don't know if he was hurt to hurt anybody or kill anybody, but yeah, some dude just opened fire on the subway. So yeah. God, New York's awesome. I love New York City and I love visiting, but yeah. it kind of scares me what's happening there. But God, some of the best food in the world, best bagels, the best pizza. Oh God, I mean, yeah, and I had phenomenal <laughs> food. Phenomenal. Food. Oh my God, for, for six bucks, I ate at this halal, this place called Halal Guys. It's the street cart there for six bucks. It was like the best meal I had in like weeks. I was like, holy shit, what do you do to this lamb? And how do I do it? <laughs> The best hot dogs I've ever had were these sabrettes that are just out in the middle of nowhere, and they've got these carts, and they're just filled with some of the dirtiest fucking water you've ever seen. But the the meat that they pull out and put on the bun, absolutely phenomenal. I don't know what's in that water, and I bet if you drank it, it's probably lethal. Holy shit. Man. I had a hot dog so out of the back of a truck in, in, in New Mexico. No, it was in Arizona and Phoenix. I had a, this back of a truck that these uh, Mexican people were selling. Dirty ass truck, dirty ass everything. That's, that's when there's the best food, isn't it? Dirty. Wait a second. Wait a second. Dog, wait a second. You're going to let me know how the fuck you ended up on a truck first with all these Mexicans. What the hell happened? 
Oh, I was driving past and I, I saw as they had a sign that said Sonoran hot dogs. And I was told that this is awesome. They stop at these places and we see them. So I had this hot dog that had this combination of shit. I don't remember what the hell was on it. It was crap that you'd never think to put on a hot dog. And it was so good. I think I had like three of them. This hot dog out of the back of a truck that these Mexicans put this, I don't know what the hell this combination is yet. And I think there was like mayonnaise in it and it was like salsa. And I don't know. It was so good though. <laughs> You always oh, go gosh. to the place. When you go to a new city, look in New York City. I'm there at the place that has the B minus health rating that we barely passed <laughs> inspection, and there's a line out the door. So obviously, if there's a line out the door and they barely stay open for being clean <laughs> enough, they've got to have good food. So, so I, I had a place called the Dumpling King in New York City. This place had a B minus, and they were proud of it. Like they passed, <laughs> and they had for like six bucks, they had the best food I've ever had. It was awesome. We're talking about some of the nastiest shit ever. But the thing is, is these people that are eating food like this, and I'm one of them. We're so quick to be afraid of a goddamn cold and flu that they fucking shut down our goddamn beautiful state for so long. That's what drives me nuts because, like, they're eating this shit. You know, like, New Yorkers are eating this shit on a daily basis, and they're like, oh, wait, no, sneeze. No, I got to stay in my house. No, but I'll eat these fucking nasty hot dogs that I happen to love, too. It's just weird what happened to that place, man. I, I, I miss it. I really hope they can return to normal one day, but I don't know, man. They should get some better people out there. Man. Yeah, I'm tired of this virus. It's worth the work to build the turns to normal. And- yeah. Quit talking about it. Let's just ignore it. Hope it goes away. You know, it's like, like, you know, crazy, like certain things with the media. If you ignore them, they'll go away. Right. Ryan Lochte from the Olympics. Remember, we started ignoring yeah. that douchebag and he went oh, away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think treat the COVID like Ryan Lochte started <laughs> fucking ignoring it like a total douchebag that we hated and we didn't want to be a celebrity and they didn't get to become a celebrity. So I think ignore COVID. <laughs> That's my message, man. <laughs> Buy House of Sparta and ignore COVID. That's my two messages for today. <laughs> so Sparta, definitely going to put that on my pre-order list one, like once I come across it on my uh, journeys here. I've been really dug into uh, Red Dead Redemption. I don't know what the hell, man. I, I played this game in beat like a Western like shooter. Western yeah. first person shooter. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, game, that, that appeals to me, but uh it's just you know, time worth. You know, I, I can't and honestly if I have game I wanna play Madden. If I have time, I wanna play Madden. <laughs> I can't do it. It's too realistic, man. I like just beating the shit out of the computer, just beating him like a hundred to nothing. I don't even want to challenge. I just want my guy to throw ten touchdown passes. That Madden's too realistic, dude. I, I downloaded it for free on the uh, Xbox Game Pass. Try to throw over the middle. My guy was like one for ten. The fucking first quarter, I was like, "Yeah, I'm done with this shit, dude." It was too too tough. Oh, you, you got to really, you got to understand how to read a defense and be like, "Hey, watch these safeties. Is this cover two, cover three? If it's cover two, is this man? Is it cover two? You got to know football and be able to yes. read coverages to be able to be successful. So yeah, I've I've played that game and I've gotten, I, you know, I'm, I've. Football has been one of my, my huge passions for my whole life. So 30, 30 plus years. And uh, yeah, I, I know how to read a coverage and know how to look at a safety and look at what coverage they're in and say, hey, cover two, this will be open. Cover three, man, look for someone, look for a slant pattern, look for some crossing. And yeah, you've got to be able to know football unless you play. You can set it to really easy mode where nobody, you know, the, the computer players suck and you just don't have <laughs> That's what fun is that? <laughs> see, that's what I need. The, fr- the freaking bumpers up, up on the game. Like when you go bowling, you know what the fuck you're doing. I need the bumpers too. That's me in video games now. The older I get, the worse I get at these things. I just can't do it anymore, man. I oh, dude, I just went bowling with the fucking, I bumped with my kids. I mean, the bumpers. With, with the fucking bumpers, I think I bowled like a 120, 125. So that's how fucking bad I am bowling. <laughs> oh, and I racked that fucking bumper a couple of times, man. I, you know, I, I bowl really for speed and not for, you know, for accuracy. I try to get the, 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 the yeah. 20, 24 miles an hour. I think 24 and a half might have been my record ever. So they have the speedometers. I love bowling. I was like that. Because most people are like 8 to 10, 12 miles an hour. I'm like, I don't know, 
fuck that 22 24 because <laughs> when i hit a strike i want the whole lane just i want the whole alley just to just pick up I'm like what the fuck was that <laughs> you know explosions <laughs> but yeah i i hit this i think i bent the shit out of this one uh uh the, 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 oh, the garage. Wait, what do you call those things? The bumpers. I think yeah, I bent the shit of a bumper. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So it's good that you're getting out the house because I heard you were sick for a while because we were supposed to record this a, a couple of weeks ago. I, I think we're going to. Yeah, do, holy but, shit. Yeah, man. I heard you were pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, what, I had. Um, yeah, coronavirus is cliche. I had norovirus, I believe. And this, one, huh. I mean, this is like kind of a self diagnosed thing, but it's the only one that makes sense. And norovirus is a nasty motherfucker. It took me two weeks to get rid of. And I was literally off a of solid food for 10 days, brother. I mean, I, everything I ate would come back up. And I was able to get down Gatorade after a few days. You know, for a couple of days, nothing, even water would stay down. I mean, it was, it was bad. It was within, within 10 minutes of eating something, it right back out, man. Um, and I got after about, Maybe four or five days, I was starting to get bananas down, and that was the only thing that would stay down. And I fucking hate bananas. <laughs> I'm so sick of bananas. I don't even like bananas. Maybe once in a great while I eat a banana, but holy god, I hate. And it was the only thing that would stay down. So I started like making smoothies with bananas and water, and I'd mix some weed sugar into there. You know, a little bit of weed sugar always helps helps settle the stomach, brother. And I, I got it to the point. <laughs> what? Of course, man. Of course. But you guys, you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm very upset because you guys didn't tell me how freaking great peanut butter is with edibles, man. Never told oh, me. Yeah, that was one of the first things I made for uh, for for Rita because um, I bought her some edibles from the dispensary and she ate 40 bucks worth and felt better. And I was like, well, I'm not spending 40 bucks for you to feel better. So I, <laughs> I got into making them. That's how I really should get into making edibles myself is I started making them to make Rita feel better. So I, I got into making these um, first things I made was uh, peanut butter, like a Buckeyes, you know, the peanut butter dipped in yeah. chocolate. Mm-hmm. So I made this and um, I made five or six for me and her. And I made them about a hundred milligrams you know, a piece or, or so, you know, estimate. And um, I, I made her five or six and I ate one myself and said, here, eat one of these. And if you feel better, okay. In a half hour, four, 10 minutes, you know, maybe have another half of one or depending on how you feel. So I set them down and before I looked again, and it was like less than 20 minutes later, the plate was gone. I'm like, Oh shit. So I was like, honey, what happened to all the Buckeyes? She's like, those are really good. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking about you now. Oh, so yeah, it was, it was till she didn't get out of bed till it was well after noon the next day. It wasn't because she was enjoying being in bed. It was because there was no way she could stop her head from spinning. It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> she oh, called God. it a Stephen Hawking buzz, you know. She felt like Stephen <laughs> Hawking in a <laughs> <laughs> What I've been so, doing yeah, is... from, from then on, I've I've mm. dosed her myself, and what I'm giving, so I give it to her myself and say, "Here, here's a here's a dose for you. I'll do, I'll measure it. <laughs> God, I, can't, hide the rest. I can't trust you." <laughs> Dude, I've been taking these uh, these these Delta Eight capsules, right? And they are twenty five milligrams yeah. a piece, and I love them because they're pre measured out, and you know each capsule is going to have exactly what you like. I used to buy these right. edibles at the store nearby, and they were like nerd ropes. And for some reason, they'd be like five or six in a package, and like maybe two of them were worth anything, and the other were like, yeah, but I didn't get shit from them. So I like the capsules, but if you take peanut butter, just a little spoonful beforehand, maybe ten minutes before you take your edible, dude, it like binds to the shit in your system like the fat and it just hits you so much harder so much faster and i had no idea Damn. so uh yeah I, I had to find that searching the internet god damn it you should have told me about this i've i've read that there's there are certain um like i've read some uh, mct oil like coconut mm-hmm. oil type things that that make it go you know that sort of grab it and really help it carry 
across the membranes and make it go through faster. So I've, I've read, depending on what type of fats you take them with, uh, it, it does increase, decrease absorption. So yeah, try if you really want something to try, try to dissolve it in something called MCT oil. You can get it at Walmart and shit. This I MCT is medium chain oil from coconut oils. But yeah, mm-hmm. you have it? Yeah, actually. Yeah, try it. I've been doing the keto thing for like three years and the MCT oil was actually a big part of it. You take a spoonful of that to get your fat intake for the day, but I haven't used it in a while. I still got like a nice bottle of it. So you're saying take that with the edible. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's Hmm. some sort of a, of a, of a carrier that it helps it dissolve and it helps it actually emulsify better and cross the blood membrane, you know, your capillaries faster so that the, that the edible becomes more, more active. So yeah, I know I didn't heard peanut butter, but I've heard that the fats make a big difference in yeah. what you take it with uh, yeah so yeah so try mct oils yeah try to take it at the same time and let me know what you see i, I don't know about delta eight how different it is than thc i know it's a, it's a different molecule you know there's a little bit of a difference so i don't know if that changes anything or or what but yeah i've heard with thc it's the same way hey man when you don't have it legal you gotta get it how you can and right now we got the delta eight that's all we got and we can get delta nine and delta ten but it's not the full-blown version that you can get out where you guys are and, and obviously uh Place places where it's legal, so yeah, this it's is wild I mean, bust here. Yeah, man. you got to do what you got to do, man. And they, hey, did you hear about that? That the, the feds they actually passed it, or they at, at the federal level now, I, I believe they passed right. The, the house went ahead and said it was good to decriminalize marijuana or something like that. I, I don't know if there was a follow up. I've heard that so many times. I don't know if the, the two the two houses yeah. can't get together, but I've heard them so many times, and it's still a schedule one, you know, yeah. worst. Worse than uh, you know, cocaine. Cocaine's a schedule two. So it's worse for you than cocaine. It's up there with heroin and methamphetamine. Uh, it's so that. bad for you. Fuck the feds. Are you fucking serious? That's why one of the reasons I hate the feds so bad mm-hmm. is this has happened. Richard fucking Nixon made this choice to put it on schedule one after every expert told him that's stupid, dumbass. He put it on there in 1972 or whatever, and it's been there ever since. And our government is so fucking stupid that it's 50 years later and it's still there. Still the worst, the worst category of thing. No medical value whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know what? Ever since I found this Delta 8 stuff and it's readily available, I actually get mine shipped out from someplace out in California. They actually ship it. And I get a really good deal. It's like it's like $90 for uh for for 90 pills and they're freaking phenomenal man they do the trick but ever since i found it i stopped drinking alcohol i haven't had a i haven't had a sip of alcohol since december of last year so it's i mean it's it's it really helps helps anxiety and depression all that good stuff man i just don't understand why they hate it so much i think it's because they hate us i am I, I, I've heard there's certain states that are starting to ban the, ban the Delta, the, the analogs or whatever. Come yeah. on, you're so fucking backwards. How yeah. are you this fucking backwards? And I'm, I see, I forget, but I think it was Georgia. They were posting the state troopers and how they had this bust and they were standing in front of all this weed. And I'm just like, fuck you guys. How much money mm-hmm. did you fucking spend on taking something off the streets that's fucking less harmful than, than cigarettes or alcohol? Fuck you. Waste of money, waste of fucking time. Uh, ruin people's lives, you know? Well, the thing is, is, the government knows too much. They know how good this is for people. That's why they want it gone so bad. Because as you can tell, you know, they are kind of in bed with big pharma. As, as we all know with what we've been seeing the past two years, they are, it's it's a big money thing. That's all it is. Something I've really come across with big pharma is I didn't realize how, how tied into medical schools big pharma has to the point where they are endowing nearly every medical yep. school. 
and the, the sort of like, you know, lobbying them and what to teach new doctors. I knew they own the healthcare system and they own our Congress and they, they're one of the biggest lobbyists in the country. So I know they own everything there, but they actually own the, the people who train our doctors are in bed with big pharma. And holy fuck. That's yeah. terrible. That's scary. Fuck them. I had two doctors on the show last August. So I don't know if you got a chance to listen to those, but they're in the archives on our, on our website. No. And they were basically explaining how this whole thing works and how corrupt the system is. And man, it is, it's deep. I mean, this, it, it, the rod is so deep. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, just get rid of the Democrats. Everything will be fine. Like, no, it's deeper than that, dude. It's the Democrats suck. They're the worst. I mean, that they solution are, to all to do. this party isn't working. Let's change to the other party. That yeah. solution has been, I, I've been alive 43 years and they've been doing that for yep. 43 years. Yep. It doesn't seem to work that, Hey, maybe we should change the, the way we do things. And, and really the, the biggest problem nerd is, these problems are over a hundred years old and they're so ingrained in our society and they're so complicated. No one understands them. You talk about money and the way money works in our world and the way monetary policy works in our world. You give me a room of five people who can understand it. It's hard to find it's, it's in our world. And to, to, under, to fix these problems, we're going to first have to recognize where they begin. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and nobody can even tell you Right. Uh, the first thing about the Fed or money, about how debt is created or how, how these things even exist and to fix it, we're going to have to understand and we don't. That's what, It really gets frustrating because yeah, you're right. how the hell do I teach the whole damn world how this works, you know? And the people in charge seem to think that you can just spend money, then your debt just goes away. It's, it's not how this whole thing works. And as you can see, we're all well, paying for it. We're paying for it. There, the problem is it does work because when, when someone's in debt and then you inflate the money, they're now in less debt. All right. I mean, yeah, you, but the you, money's you, coming you from somewhere, though. Yeah, yeah, it's coming from all of us. It's coming from inflation. It's a secret tax on all of us, so it mm-hmm. works for them because they get free money yeah. without having to ask for it, and they have their money from this inflation we're feeling now. They have their mm-hmm. trillion dollars. You know, all these billionaires get rich. All these corporations get this free money. They don't give a shit because they're no. the ones that call the shots, and the system works fine for them. And that's the problem is the ones who are calling the system, the system works fine for them. That's how they like it. They like having this, you know, blank, blank check to print whatever money they want and support your whatever and and inflate whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And we've got to pay the price and there's nothing we can do to stop it. And they like it this way. Yeah. They love it. I mean, it works for them. That's the problem is it? Yeah. People say the system doesn't work. Bullshit. This has worked over a hundred years. It works perfectly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You you, you run up, run up a shitload of debt. Then inflate the currency so that that's worth less, and then you're in less debt. Yeah, because I know I'm paying for this shit right now. I just went to the store the other day, and we spent $250 on groceries, and normally that would buy us like a couple of weeks' worth. There's four of us in the house. This shit can only last like a couple of days at this rate, man. It's like, what's going on here? And how, hey, how have you guys been dealing with, with the inflation in your neck of the woods, the price of gas and everything? Horrible. Horribly, horribly, horribly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, like everybody else in this economy, you got to make choices and you got to cut things out. You got to cut a lot of things out of your budget and say, yeah, you don't have a choice but to pay gas to get to work and take kids places and stuff. You don't have a choice. I don't have a choice but to buy fucking bacon. So I'm just spending less money elsewhere and there's discretionary income that used to be there that ain't there anymore. And it's, it's it's a fact of life and everybody's dealing with the same thing. So how are we, how are we doing it? I mean, we're live, we're eating. We're, we're still eating bacon and beef. We're still eating mm-hmm. uh, well. We're not. We haven't switched to beans and rice yet. We haven't gotten to that point yet. But there's a lot of shit that ain't gonna get paid for. It. A lot of shit that ain't ain't happening, and a lot mm-hmm. of uh, trips that ain't gonna happen. A lot of things. That, that's why I'm. Uh, 
I'm trying to learn about uh, crypto and NFTs as I want to be, this is going to be a huge market. I want to be smarter than other people. I, I, I want to be ready for this, this whole thing when it hits and I want to be sort of yeah. in it because there's no other fucking way to make money. Right? My God. I mean, it's tough. It's got, tough, man. Yeah. Luckily, uh, you know, when you're, when you're selling edibles and you're selling them a lot, lot cheaper than anybody else is selling them, uh, yeah. that's sort yeah. of a, it's sort of a recession proof market. And uh, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. People, um, yeah, yeah, well, people are always going to want their shit, man. I mean, look at me. I'm ordering my shit from California. Someone's making money off me. So I, I get it. Trust me. Yeah. Thing, yeah. There's always, it's, it's, it's a business that doesn't go away. And if yeah. you, you can do better than everybody. Yeah. There's a couple of, uh, uh, I've gotten into so many partnerships and everything has screwed me over, but there's a couple of things I'm working on right now that are, they're still, I'm um, gonna take some time to put together in that. So I'm not giving up on, on that that whole space, and I've got some things working. But uh, I've just sort of uh, decided to focus a lot of my time and energy and other things, and that's sort of a of a of a back burner project at this point. So yeah, I'm still doing a lot of, a lot in that business, and it's still a nice uh, nice little dream for me. But I figure I've got to fuck it. I've got to fund this whole thing myself. If I'm gonna be, and, you know, it's you, you need you need capital. You need money to make money yeah. in this world sometimes, and especially in one of these these saturated businesses. Yeah, I could do this better. Than a lot of these companies, but they have funding. I don't. Let's just be real, right? You know. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to sell that because you're basically selling a dream and an idea to someone who's probably heard a million pitches that very day. So it's hard. To, it, it is. It's yeah. tough to stand out in this thing, man. Like I, I do wish you all the luck with that. Trust me, it's tough to get something like that going. <laughs> I wish I had the drive, man, or the creativity to do something like that. Yeah, it was about a couple of years ago. I sort of said, you know, I spent a lot. I spent 20 years in sales and marketing and working for big corporations. And I mean, literally, I would, they would like, hey, we fired this guy and we're going to give him all of your responsibility, give you all of his responsibility and all of his accounts and all of his stuff and pay you the same. Yeah. And I dealt with that shit for so many years. And it was like, and then they expect you to do the same as good of a job. They're like, hey, your performance is declining. Your customers say you're not spending as much time there. I'm like, you had doubled my accounts and didn't pay me a dime. And you're upset that, yeah, it, yeah, I'm buried. I haven't seen my kids in two months. So, yeah, I got, I got out of that rat race because I, I, I couldn't, I didn't see my kids. You know, I was getting paid good money. And God, it seemed like I had the same amount of money back then as I do now. Um, I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, I was never seeing my kids and I, like my kids are growing up without me and I'm living in a hotel in Chattanooga. Oh my God. If you say Chattanooga to my oldest daughter, she shudders because she missed so many, so much time with me because I was stuck in Chattanooga oh, um, for the tough. weekend. It's, I get tough. dropped on me. Hey, you need to not leave Chattanooga this weekend because someone's mom died and you need to stay but really. And yeah, I just don't see my kids. So yeah. I got out of that world and, uh, it, and I'm trying to, to build something, trying to build an empire, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, I've had ups and downs, but it's uh, it's going okay. And hey, we're we're eating we're eating the same. You know, no one's losing a ton of weight except for me when I get this fucking norovirus. I lost eighteen pounds. <laughs> Holy shit! I, a lot of people are going to be looking to get that, that fucking thing now after all the weight they packed on. <laughs> you know, people are going to want to get. I, I think I, they're going to invent a norovirus weight loss, man. I mean, because you <laughs> could not help but lose fifteen pounds on this. There's no way you could get any 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 bad food in you. I didn't have any calories for a good ten days because it was coming right back at you. <laughs> I feel you though on the whole working too much thing because the job I worked at before, you know, the whole world went upside down a couple of years back before the you know, furloughs and everything sent me packing uh, due to COVID. Yeah. Because I was making a lot of money too at one place I was working at before, and, and I wasn't seeing my kids much. I was working so many hours, and by the time I came home, they were asleep. When I woke up in the morning, they were already at school. It was one of those situations. I wasn't out of state, but I still, I, I might, may as well have been, you know. 
And you just learn to adjust. Yeah. It's like the job I'm at now, I'm not making as much, but I also got this going on the side. So it does even out. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And your life doesn't end. And a lot of people feel like they're stuck in a dead end position and they're afraid to take chances and try something new. But there's life after whatever the fuck you're doing now. I mean, your life will continue. So if someone's yeah, listening, you're out not, there feels, you know, a certain way, I want that to help them. No, we're being enslaved. We're being slowly enslaved, but we're not there yet. You're not a slave and you have choices. And yeah, you can get used to spending less money. It ain't that hard, man. I mean, yeah, I used to live. I'm sure I, I'm sure five years ago, I pissed money away on, on shit yeah. that I couldn't even fathom buying today or stuff. Why am I wasting this money? But um, God, my life's better. I'm happier. I feel better. My stomach's better. I'm healthier. And it exactly. was five years ago. I should be older and should be breaking down, but I feel better. Cause I'm not, I don't have this stress. Like I used to work in accounts that were six and seven figures a year and there'd be meetings I walk into and maybe I said the wrong thing and I would lose a $400,000 account. Mm-hmm. And that happened. That literally happened. I walked in, I lost a $400,000 account because I misbid or I forget exactly what it happened. And I remember being out to dinner and this waitress was telling me about her bad day. I'm like, well, I just lost $400,000. So Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I was kind of a dick about it, but I was just like, yeah, I'm sure this uh-huh. sure this happened to you, but I just lost $400,000 and I need to get to bed tonight because I have a meeting at six in the morning and it's not going to, it's not going to happen unless oh, I get real man. drunk. <laughs> Fucking hey, dude. No, I feel you though, man. I so I was like, can we, can we step it up on, yeah. I was, my point was, can we step it up on the bar? Can we step up the bar <laughs> service a little bit? Because I'm trying to get drunk because I can't fall asleep without being super drunk. <laughs> No, like back to the age thing. You said you're back to what? No, like going back to the age thing. You said you're what, 43, right? And you feel like you're in the best. Yeah, yeah, I'm 43. Yeah, I'm about to turn 40 this year. I feel the same as you. I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. I feel like, you know, 40, I feel like I'm 20 still. I still feel okay. I, I, I feel good. And I cut out a lot of nasty food and shit like that out of my life and started doing the old uh, edibles. And I'm telling you what, this is the best time of my life. I'm Sometimes I feel guilty saying it. Because I know there's a lot of people out there suffering right now, but you got to take a look at what's around you and just take joy in what's around you. I mean, I'm not living extravagantly or anything. It's You just got to look at what's around you and appreciate it, you know? I mean, that's just what I feel is a secret. I mean, your your outlook on things is so so gigantic. And so your your stress level is so gigantic that if you're getting enough sleep and you're not stressing yourself out, your immune system's in better shape. And you yeah. can... You can take care of little problems. Your immune system is, I, I'm learning, I'm reading about, I'm in the fucking rabbit's hole right now, brother, about like the, how your immune system responds to certain viruses and bacteria and how it degenerates your brain or your heart or how there's certain responses that you, you wouldn't even think about, you know, bacteria in your nose causes Alzheimer's, but it fucking mm-hmm. does. Yeah, yeah. There's certain types of infections, bacteria and fungal infections in your nose, which create plaques, which cause Alzheimer's in your brain. That's why people are pushing that iodine rinse now, that, that nasal iodine rinse they're saying. That's supposed to clear all that shit out. Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard. I've yeah. heard that. And I've heard of like uh, antibiotics shoved up your nose is, is making dementia go away. And there's so many things to understand about the way your, your immune system responds to bacteria and, and normal infections like in your gut. That so many diseases are are just based on having the wrong bacteria in your gut at the wrong time and your immune system flaring up some shit by accident because it's fighting some shit it doesn't know mm. even it's even supposed to fight no it doesn't even know so yeah there, there's going to be a lot in the next 10 15 years about like about what bacteria has caused your immune system to do it's going to be uh some cool shit man that's cool a lot of cool things they're understanding and, and a lot of cool 
like lupus and autoimmune diseases are understanding are caused by infections about your immune system overreacting to bacteria, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. Cause you know what? My, my, my neighbor, she had lupus and I see that that's a fucking hell of a thing to have, man. She was deteriorating bad and we only knew her for about two, two or three years. We were in this apartment and at the beginning she was like walking kind of okay. And then she just, man, it was like she aged 20 years. She was yeah. just like limp and all hunched over and shit. I mean, if they can come up with a cure for that, geez. Well, basically, what's happening is your immune system just going ape shit, attacking stuff in yeah. the body. It doesn't. It doesn't know it's not supposed to. And there, there's something like one thing I was reading about, like people who have uh, ulcers in their gut, the bacteria can leak out and cause infections in place where a normal gut bacteria gets into your brain or your pancreas. And when your body fights that, it thinks holy shit, this is terrible because it fucked your pancreas up. So next time we see this, we better fucking fight it. And it's going to see that bacteria in your gut over and over and over again. Yep. So it's it's it, if it gets somewhere it's not supposed to be, it tells your body to fight this in places where it's supposed to be. You know, that that's that's a lot of what lupus is. A lot of these things are, is your body's immune system fighting shit it ain't supposed to fight, fighting itself, you know? It's, it's yeah. a fucking horrible disease. But interesting thing, I had a friend with lupus and she stole, she stole like 3,500 bucks from me. So she's no longer a friend, but she um, had a friend, she had lupus and I was doing some research into some of the terpenes in weed. And there's one terpene, uh, beta-carophylline, I think it was called. Uh, really, it, it's one of the skankiest, skunkiest uh, terpenes that makes really nasty smelling weed. And it's supposed to help with autoimmune diseases. And I asked her, hey, do you find that you like skunky weed? And she opened up and said, holy shit, that's the only weed that ever makes me feel normal. And if I can get some skunky, cheesy, nasty, stinky weed that my whole body feels better. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, it made sense. So I'm just like, yeah. And I told her about beta-carophylline, how it calms your immune system and it calms down. And it's amazing the, the plethora of chemicals that are in weed that we don't have, we don't even begin to understand that are helping us. And we don't even know, but she, all she knew was she wanted her weed to stink like shit to make her feel good. We <laughs> understand that if there's a chemical basis for what she's saying, you know, <laughs> just, just tell her to move to Schenectady, New York, man, that, that fucking scent is, is the scent of that town. I used to live there and it smelled like fucking skunk no matter where you went, the nastiest fucking weed. I, I hated it, dude. It smelled so bad. That's why like, I, I'm an edible guy. I don't know what it is about him that I like so much. I think it's because yeah. one second I'm just like, Hey, I fucking hate the world. And the next second, I just want to fucking hug everybody around me you know i think that's what it is right on <laughs> it's just a beautiful thing yeah, man. i really think that yeah, if they yeah, made I, it I, legal I, right i think if they i'm, I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off but I, I think if they make it legal i think you can literally shut down all these companies making all these fucking pills like advil god the business title i really think that you can just go into a pot shop and get any cure for any ailment seriously that's how much i believe in yeah, yeah when they under when they understand how to fine-tune the all, all of the chemicals and all of the terpenes and all of the flavonoids and all when they can fine tune those in conjunction with the t the thc and the cbd when they understand you know, you're going to be able to create a plethora of medicines that you know we it, it thc and cbd they affect your uh, your autonomic nervous system you ever hear that expression autonomic no um, no basically that's your your body's uh, meter of i'm feeling well on a beach drinking a, a coconut drink versus i'm being chased by a tiger so that's sort of like your, you, like you your have, uh, means, yeah, like yeah. You have a, zone, yeah. whether I'm, whether I'm relaxed and, and no, nothing in the world or whether, you know, life or death decisions are happening right now. Uh, your body has a sort of a meter and weed affects that meter. Um, there's some, there's some weed that could make you more paranoid, more, you know, like you're being chased by a tiger. Mm -hmm. uh, that's more THC heavy weed. 
Um, but with CBD, it sort of goes the opposite where CBD calms you, where you're back to, you're sitting on a coconut beach, you know, you relax and the world's good and you're hugging everybody. You've just turned your autonomic nervous system down to relaxation away from fight or flight. So you're, you're fucking with that, that dial in your body. And I think if you can learn, find a way to, to fine tune that dial, but like I, someone can tell me uh, what, how they want to feel uh, stoned. If some people want to learn to draw or they want to write, you want almost no CBD. You want that mental stimulation. You want that fight or flight because you can use that mental energy. But some people just want to relax at the end of the day. Then you want heavy, 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 heavy CBD stuff because you get that relaxation. You get that dial turned down. And I I think that's what there's actually something called the endocannabinoid system. You've heard that, haven't you? Yes. That's your body's way of of using cannabis, uh, THC and CBD to control that uh, autonomic nervous system. So you can control your body's sense of well-being with the right dose. And how the fuck would you make that? God, because because they can't control it. And 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 that's my biggest concern, too, with the NFTs and the cryptocurrency is what if the government decides, hey, you guys can't do this without us being in control? What happens? There there are a lot of people that that feel that cryptocurrency is the way out of the government controlling things. They're 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 kidding themselves. I mean, I am not one of the people that's going to tell you that if the government wants to shut Bitcoin down, they can't. They absolutely can. Bitcoin exists because the government doesn't mind it existing. And that's a fact. If you look at there's one called there's one uh, cryptocurrency called Ripple. If you look at how much a government can affect a cryptocurrency. Look at the story of Ripple and how the SEC got involved because Ripple was doing things that you're treading on on problems. They were doing interbank transactions. That's mm-hmm. basically what Ripple was. You know, when, when you do big transfers, they wanted to be the intermediary. Uh, the government, the SEC, just by investigating them, not even doing anything, just investigating them, they have shut the fucking thing down, basically. And there's a lot of enthusiasts that are fighting against it. But yeah, if the government wants you to stop, they will stop you and they will create legislation and they will stop you. So you're, you're not, you know, this is, this technology might decentralize things and might create a situation where the government can't control, but not yet, not yet, no. No, no, no. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a nice thought, but ultimately, we're at the mercy of the Fed still, and they can shut shit off whenever they want to, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely, and they're pissed off too. Did you see that Elon Musk thing where he uh, he purchased for like nine point eight percent or something like that stock in Twitter? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Well, they had he joined the board by mm-hmm. promising he wouldn't go over fourteen point nine percent, and then he changed his mind he and said, "No, not joining the board." So. <laughs> I, he's, I think he's doing a hostile takeover. He's going to own 51% of it, and then he can do whatever the fuck he wants. He, he's the bully. And I love him because when you think about this, mm-hmm. but he owns that Starlink, that satellite system, right? Yes. And one thing I love about him is he deployed it over, over Ukraine to say, hey, we don't want the internet to be able to be shut off by the Russians, by anybody. We want the internet to exist. So it deployed over Ukraine, this internet system. And the Ukrainian government went to him and said, hey, can you censor this internet to not allow Russian state TV to broadcast and allow Russian messages. And Elon Musk said, absolutely not. You don't understand what this is about. I will not censor it. This is internet and it's free and it will be free. So that's the way, that's the way he thinks is there will be no shutting down the internet. And when he owns Twitter, there'll be no shutting down Twitter. So when, you know, uh, when a small government starts to have problems with, with uprisings, one of the first things they do is suspend Twitter because they don't want that to be a tool yeah. used by the revolutionaries. Now, Elon Musk decides when shit gets shut off, and it doesn't. 
Exactly. So these small governments will not be able to shut off the internet because they're they're a satellite, and they won't be able to shut off Twitter because they fucking owns. So that's a big stab in the heart of, of, of the big government, because now you've got one person that can decide when Twitter gets shut down. And he's the kind of person that ain't going to shut it off and say, hey, your problem, I will run my platform. And if they're using Twitter, like the Ukrainians are using Twitter right now to um, communicate to uh, how to hit Russian fuel trucks, how to, how to fuck with Russia. Yeah. And they're, they're using it as, as, a, as a guerrilla war thing. And I love guerrilla. That's I almost want the I almost want the U.S. to go into a civil war because I get to fight a guerrilla war. <laughs> we're, we're, we're closer than you think, I think, my friend. I think we're closer than you think on that civil war. Yeah, I, yeah, I really I'm, think I'm, so, man. Get me excited, brother. Stop. <laughs> but yeah, but I I think it's it's there's going to be a lot of revolution in the summer. Yeah. I, I think you know, mm-hmm. food prices are going high. Things are destabilized. I think COVID the threat is over, and I think there's going to yeah. be a lot of countries that are going to overthrow their governments this summer. And yeah. I think um, you're going to see how big of a tool Twitter is in these overthrows. And we saw this in the um, the Arab Spring, which was by the it was a CIA operation from the beginning. But the Arab Spring, they used a lot of Twitter. Uh, uh, to facilitate these these uprisings all of the Arab world. And it was, you know, it was a CIA operation. It, they, they sort of facilitated it. But Twitter was very much used by these revolutionaries to quickly communicate information and to rally people and to organize people. And that's you're going to see more of that. And I think Elon Musk owning that is going to create more overthrow of tyranny because it's one less thing they can control that can be shut off is the Internet and Twitter now. I'm a big fan of free speech, and I love the fact that he is trying to at least make an attempt where other people are saying, oh, free speech, free speech, and they're sitting on their hands. He's actually going out there and putting his money where his mouth is, so that I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, he definitely is a person that um, I don't don't think he's driven by profit. He's driven by he wants to see his vision of a a world is different than everybody's the direction we're going. And yeah, he's putting all of his money and all his effort and all of his he, he invested a bit of his family money at the beginning. But you're not talking, he's not dealing with emerald money anymore. He's he's a self-created dude. And he said, hey, we need electric cars. And I laughed. So I was like, yeah, electric cars, come on, man. We're 20 years away from that. The motherfucker has created electric cars. It's a huge business. And I give him credit. And I'm not betting against him again, you know? Yeah, I think he's going to do good things for Twitter. But I mean, I'm a big fan of free speech. But the thing is, 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 is I've been guilty of this lately, because I've been all politicked out. I mean, like a lot of my guests that have been coming on lately have been in politics, 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 vaccine people. And uh, I had a guy, we were talking about uh, vaccine passports the other day. and I'm like sick of this shit. So I've noticed that every time I post something on social media that is anything in any way related to politics, or my opinions on this or that, or any other thing, you know, you get the leftists, they got like this fucking leftist mafia. So they're impossible to reason with in most cases that I've noticed. You can't <laughs> sit there and, and throw out a, a, a point or a fact. And they say, oh, well, there's 50-something odd genders. I'm like, no, there isn't. And then they just fucking start going nuts. And then 10 of them, they, they spawn like fucking critters, you know? So I put mine on. Yeah. See, this- I, I, I run into a lot. I run into, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm not a political guy. I basically hate everybody. I think all politicians are horrible. Oh, so yeah. I'll make fun of Trump or make fun of Donald Trump Jr. And I'll get a bunch of new followers that are, you know, that the blue wave. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, I, I want to DM, DM them and be like, dude, you're not going to like this very long. because I'm <laughs> going to make fun of your people, too. I'm going to insult Biden. I'm going to insult whoever. Yeah, I insult Trump. I insult whoever. But I'll insult anybody because I think they're all horrible and all self-serving. So, yeah, I, I lose a lot of followers the next time i post something critical of, of anybody so yeah they're there i you know you can 
I try to avoid people like that. I, I have a one message rule that I reply once. And if they have, that gives them two chances to make a legitimate intelligent yeah. point. If I haven't made one, two chances, chances are it's going to be zero forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm done. Replying. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done fighting with people who are so, uh, who minds are so warped by one side or the other. Cause I mean, they, I explain to people, they, they have think tanks that find the best ways to put things. And they have these think tanks that create these sound bits and they feed these to the pundits and they feed yeah. these to political people. And they repeat these things over and over again in your head. And you've, you're basically creating an argument with the best ways of, but you're, you're, this is a thought, a, a well thought out, a focus group tested soundbite that people love to repeat. And they, each side is, is being fed these sound bites 24-7, and they yeah. think they're the best things in the world because they're well thought out and well researched. But it's just you're, you're being fed a very crafted message, and it's very it's, – it's careful choreography in the politics. It's, it's choreography. It's like let's it make is. sure that the right is saying this and the left is talking about this, mm-hmm. and let's bring up abortion because there's no middle ground. Yeah. We, we can all agree that state surveillance is bad and them spying on us is bad. So let's make the point about abortion. That way, there's no middle ground. We can't solve shit. And yeah, still that's, a, that's another weird one, abortion. I'm completely pro-choice. I don't see the problem. And it, I mean, if it doesn't concern me, I don't give a fuck. It, it, I mean, it has no, no effect on me and my family. So do what you want to do. I don't really yeah. care either way. I don't see why people get so bent out of shape over it. I really don't. No. I, but, I yeah, do understand it's, 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 the it's my tax dollars thing that I do understand because I do hear some conservatives make that point where they're like, you know, I'm paying for these yeah. abortions and, and, and my religion won't allow me to believe in it. Then, okay, I'll give you that one argument for you to, but it's a good point, but then extend yeah. it to the defense department. And do you, yeah. do you, you pay a trillion dollars a year to the defense department. Are you sure everything they're doing is, is, is yeah. legit and is, is not there. Breaking it, exactly. human rights laws and, so if you start if you start that argument, you really can expand that to just about anything to say, hey, I'm not paying for this specific thing in the government. It fortunately doesn't work like that because then I would pay almost no taxes whatsoever. So yeah, you can't you can make that argument. It's a good argument, but yeah, you you know, it's a where do we stop that part? Yeah, right? like I, I get it from a theological standpoint. I'm just not a religious guy. I mean, by nature I'm agnostic, so I'm just I I, I just don't give a shit. Life's too short for me to care about everybody else's problems. It's it's not my concern. It's the least of my concerns, you know. In general, that's my my view on things. Is if I don't have to deal with it, I'm, I don't want to deal with it. And mm-hmm. if it if government can be uninvolved, I, I like that direction. I like government being uninvolved. And honestly, with abortion, I think if a state wants to make it illegal, I don't give a fuck. You can drive to Oklahoma, or you can drive to Kansas if you need if you really need abortion that bad. You know, whatever. Or you know, do the, the old coat does. hanger routine. You know, that's what that's what their argument is as well. For it. they're saying, oh well, you know, if well, uh, there's, we there's make it illegal, to I mean, they're going to be doing. Uh, honestly, that. They, they, don't, they don't like to whisper. They like to, you know, say this. But honestly, a leave, you know, naproxen sodiums were the best <laughs> ways to do it. Oh God! <laughs> don't. You? Oh goodness! I shouldn't have said that. I do not yeah, edit that out that later, will you? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! We don't edit a damn thing, man. This is this is live, man. We just we we, we just we just put it out there. That's fucking oh, incredible, boy. though. Oh my goodness! You're gonna talk about NFTs. We got the abortion. Hey, you... That's what happens, man. And and that's something I I do kind of want to circle back to, like Jen Saki, was the whole Twitter thing. How I shut my 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 comments off to people that I mm-hmm. follow, basically, because I, I'm I'm sick of it. Those people can't be reasoned with over the simplest arguments. It's and and they're just insane. So I don't even want to associate with them. My line was drawn with the whole indoctrinating and and the grooming of children in schools. I don't like that shit. I I that that's where I drew my line. I I just don't want to deal with these people. 
So with that, I don't do the internet back and forth. So they used to like reply and I would give them one just like you do. And then they would keep it going. And then before you know what, the trolls come out of the woodworks. I prefer to do things this way. I like to have people come on the show and have a discussion with them. So whenever I would offer that, they just wouldn't, they would just back out. They're, oh, no, no, fuck you. And this block, you know, because like, like that, that's their thing. They can't have a civil dis- you know, conversation. And that's one thing that just drove me to just locking my shit down on there. I just, I just don't even want to bother anymore. I just kind of gave up, man. So good on you for being able to at least give them one. At least give them one. Yeah, still. I mean, I, I was, I, I love, I love talking to someone who makes good points, makes original points, isn't repeating MSP, MBTC talking points yeah. to me, but can make original points, stay on topic, and not be, not get nasty, not get insulting, not get. I, I appreciate anybody from any walk of life. I mean, I'll, I, I will engage with with anybody if they want to have a legitimate. I love exercising my brain and I love expanding it and embracing. Like I will embrace uh, briefly any any wide out topic. You know, I, I embraced uh, flat earthers trying to wrap my head around their argument. Really, mm-hmm. for a moment, trying so to. I genuinely tried. I genuinely tried to say, okay, let me see if I can get past the. The belief that everybody is lying to me, if I can get past the, this doesn't make logical sense, if I can get to their, their mathematical or their GM, their arguments, let me try to embrace them. And I'm like, every time I tried to prove uh-huh. it to myself that I was wrong, I was right. I was saying every time helicocentric, you know, I tried to question the helicocentric nature of the universe, I was right. I'm like, there is no way in hell we can exist in the same world as Japan, as Japan with a flat mm-hmm. world and the yeah. sun is above, like no matter how far they are fucking away, we can yeah. see the same fucking sky. So I'm like, there is no way in hell that this is possible. And I, I you know, I tried to embrace their mm-hmm. world. So I, <laughs> some people you just can't engage with. I mean, there are some conspiracies that I will kind of buy into. I mean, the whole like the Democrats eat children. I don't believe in that shit. I think that's a little <laughs> bit overboard. But there are some that I will entertain. But I, but I want to ask you, though, because you said you like to talk about all these things. Is there any one topic in general that you enjoy arguing with people on? Because mine is easy. It's religion. I, 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 I love it. That, that's my favorite. I don't enjoy arguing about religion. Um, I, I enjoy uh, I, I like 9-11. I, I love discussing people with that or, or the Kennedy assassination. Anybody who genuinely believes that Kennedy was that the, we got the real story in Kennedy. I would love to engage with them because how in the fuck do you believe that still? How in the fuck this many years later, can you still believe in that? And I'm getting to that same point about September 11th. How in the fuck 20 years later, can you still buy the same story after everything we've learned, everything we've seen? I, yeah, I would love, I like to engage with people on this and tell them things that like, you know, I don't make shit up. I, I there's, there's some things about September 11th that it's a, it's a leap of logic. And there's some things that, I can prove that don't make sense. And I'm like, that, that I love, I love discussing and kind of waking people up and saying, Hey, you know, you know me, I don't make shit up. I don't believe yeah. in nonsense. And I, I know a lot of things and I can, there's things that I can prove. I can prove about the, about that day. So yeah, I love talking about that kind of stuff. Um, well, what's religion, I, a misconception though about nine? I know. Cause I never really you know, dug into it really. I, it, it didn't really affect me. Like it affected most people. It's, I, I didn't know anyone that got killed. I mean, of course I feel bad. You know what happened? It's just, it's just one of those things that it, it didn't affect me. Like some people have just like haunting memory of it forever. And so mm-hmm. I just didn't really pay much attention. What do you think is, is the misconception there? Cause as far as I know, it's you know, Taliban crashed the buildings and into the towers. And that, that that's all I know. What's a like misconnection that people aren't getting. Well, I, I think they, um, uh, there, there's several things. First of all, I, I can prove that um, 
Israeli intelligence or Mossad knew the plan ahead of time, knew what was going on. Uh, That's one thing. I can't prove the CIA knew or that anybody else knew, but they got caught. Mossad, they had Mossad agents arrested on the afternoon of September 11th um, after they were viewed celebrating, not only celebrating the attacks and taking pictures and and laughing and, and cheering, but they were there a half hour before at this parking lot across the river in New Jersey preparing to take these pictures. Shit. These were these were agents. These were Mossad connected agents. I'm not sure if they were agents or they were like friends of agents, but they were working for a Mossad front company, Urban System, Urban Moving Systems, and they were they had some old uh, Polish lady, busybody lady, saw these Arab looking men, you know, up to no good, and started watching them out her window. And then the attacks happened, and these idiots. They have pictures. The FBI is in possession of pictures of these guys cheering the, the attacks, holding lighters up to the building prior to the attacks happening, holding a lighter up and taking a picture with his thumbs up, holding a lighter to the building, like burning the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with, with no burning, with no building in the background burning. The FBI had a picture of a Mossad agent with a lighter to the building with, before it happened. What the so fuck, man? If, if you can't get shit. And to me... If you if you trace kind of the 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 actual hijackers who went to flight school, Mossad was in charge. I think in the operation, Mossad was in charge of creating these false this cover story where they took actual Islamic fundamentalist terrorists, a bunch of yahoos that couldn't pull off shit, made them look like they were preparing this thing. You know, going to flight schools and shit, made these twenty people look guilty and had a cover story involved. Mm. And to, to me, they were—they—they they wouldn't. I don't think they would have pulled. To me, Mossad wouldn't have tried to pull this off under our nose. To yeah. me, they had to have been part of a cooperation thing. So, which who are they cooperating with? Who could have pulled this off? Who could have had the DOD, the Defense Department, had that stand down order? Or they had their entire troops in Alaska or some shit like that. They had these. They had this the, September 11th had that morning. They had the largest um, training mission. Uh, of the air force and all the flights and they were all in canada and alaska training for like an arctic war and they had a scenario and they were also running war games on hijackings so that like the uh, flight traffic controllers weren't sure whether these were real or part of the scenario or the, the amount of things that needed to be in place for this operation to go off if you're telling me that 20 yahoos pulled this off with a little bit of funding from okay, bullshit 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 they had help and it was part of a larger operation. And if you think about who benefited from the operation, it was the Defense Department, the U.S. Defense Department, because they had carte blanche to start two wars. Motherfucker. They tried in the late 90s with Bill Clinton. They tried to start the Iraq war. They again. did. They did. And I remember. People people shouted them down. Mm-hmm. And the Taliban, they had an agreement with the Taliban to build this pipeline, a gas pipeline from Tajikistan, I believe Tajikistan, through Afghanistan to Pakistan and India to 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 get the Eastern oil control of the Eastern oil fields. That's why Russia wanted Afghanistan so bad, by the way, in the eighties, because yeah. the Eastern, Eastern gas fields, mm-hmm. we built this pipeline after the Taliban back Taliban backed out of this pipeline in 99. And we basically, we had this agreement with them and they backed out of the pipeline to let us build this pipeline in their land. We started planning the next year invasion and the takeover of the Taliban. We told a lot of our allies in 2001, including India who accidentally leaked it without being told to, all over the summer of 2001, look at India media. There's all these stories about the U.S. We've agreed to help the U.S. in the invasion of the, of the Afghanistan to build this pipeline. Fucking shit, man. Whoever has the power has the power, man. That's, that's what it's all about. You get that gas, whoever's got it. It sounds very yeah. similar, though, the, the, the stories. Because yeah. when you were talking about the, 
bumbling idiots who couldn't have pulled it off by themselves. It immediately tied it back to JFK in my mind because you had what's yeah. his name, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. They're like, oh yeah, this guy's not the mastermind. He wasn't even a. a he was an shot. incompetent jackass. He was. Yeah. He was basically. He, he was a CIA. Um, he was an asset for sure, mm. and he was useless. He was sent to Russia as a spy, and he failed miserably. <laughs> so who do you think did it then and and, and why like what did they have oh, to gain by, well i by think killing? it was it was a cooperation between the uh, mafia i think the, uh, the chicago family the new orleans family uh trafficante uh, trafficante out of uh, out of miami uh, uh tampa i'm sorry tampa and um i think really the impetus was the cia i think he had Fired Dulles because of the Bay of Pigs thing. He backed out. He fucked him over in the Bay of Pigs thing. He fired Dulles. He was banging the wife of um, uh, Cordmeyer, his name was. And he took on a mistress. It was Cordmeyer's wife. And it, she became JFK's traveling mistress or one of JFK's mistresses. And Cordmeyer was left without a woman. And his boss and his hero, Dulles, was fired. And Cordmeyer's boss now was Bill Harvey, who was fucking crazy. The CIA guy. I mean, Bill Harvey walked around with like two, you know, like a cowboy with two fucking sidearms. He's nuts. Yeah. So Bill Hart, Bill Harvey, Cordmeyer, uh, Dulles, uh, I forget which Dulles it was, the CIA Dulles, not the other Dulles, um, basically were the ones that planned it. I think um, to me, Meyer Lansky is basically the guy who gave the thumbs up. And I think <laughs> I, I do get back to Israel a lot. I think that. Um, Meyer Lansky did it as a favor to Israel, sort of gave his blessing because Meyer Lansky was tied with the CIA and the mafia at the time. Meyer Lansky was more or less called the shots in the United States at the time. And I think he did it as a favor to Israel, because if you look at JFK, this won't get uh, this won't get very many places. But if you look at JFK, he was on top of Israel. He was not a friend. And Israel was building the bomb, the nuclear bomb. JFK said over my dead body. JFK Mm -hmm. said Israel cannot have a nuclear weapon. Not, not, and he had these, this inspection of these, uh, the Modus nuclear power plant. He basically uh, got um, uh, Ben David Gurion, I think. He got him basically fired from the prime, prime ministership because they, he agreed to these inspections. It was a big thing. And Lyndon Johnson, he was like, I have the fucking bomb. I don't give a shit. So if you look at the, the, that, that gets underreported, but I, I believe Israel had one of the biggest, uh, biggest reasons. I mean, existential reason. They wanted the bomb to, to, to because they wanted to continue to exist. They felt it was their need to develop a nuclear bomb, to exist in a world of people that hated them. And I think JFK was in their way. And it's true, man. They, I mean, you have that nuke. You keep everybody honest. That's and that's why I'm in favor of everybody having a fucking gun, man. Because places like here, where I, where I live in the South, Myrtle Beach, man, everyone's fucking armed. So they're, I mean, the I crime's not that bad. break into a house bad. down there, fuck that. It doesn't happen. <laughs> but in, uh, yeah, that's why, like, fucking New York, everyone's getting stabbed and beaten and shit, man. It was like a murder every fucking day, because you can get away with that shit. The bad guys have the guns. The good guys can't have them, you know? It's, it's a fucking mess, dude. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't break into a home in the South, man. That's just not, you're playing with fire. Go break into a, go break into an apartment in New York or Minnesota somewhere, man. They ain't got guns. <laughs> you got it, man. <laughs> So man, we've yeah, been doing this shit for fucking. How long have we been talking for? Like an hour and a half, hour and forty-five minutes. Wow! Holy oh, shit! Man. Time fucking flies, Ooh. dude. Time flies, man. We got to so do this. Hopefully, it's as interesting to other people as it is to me and you. Man. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, the thing is, is we started off talking about NFTs. We we talked about uh, porn and video games. Uh, that second life weird shit I was talking about. Abortion. We covered. Mm-hmm. I think we've covered everything. 
we've run the gamut, man. I think we've, I think we've said it all. <laughs> well, listen, man, it's been a blast. Uh, as it always yeah. is. I do want you to let people know where they can find you. Just plug all your shit, please, because you're a very interesting man. One of the most interesting follows on Twitter. I think your, your, your tweets are probably up there in the top percentile, whatever the hell that is of Twitter tweets. They're absolutely phenomenal. Right on. But yeah, my, uh, my Twitter handle is at, uh, at Voice of Cal, and I have a secondary one I'm doing, like my NFTs and my uh, crypto stuff. That's uh, at Reverend NFT. So R-E-V-E-R-E-N-D-N-F-T would be my second secondary one. More NFT stuff if you're interested in reading that kind of stuff. You want to hear about more about the House of Sparta and that kind of stuff. And you know, I'm involved in other NFT projects. That's kind of the one that I'm I'm really, really pushing right now. So yeah, mm-hmm. check out House of Sparta, uh, Google it, um, or look at my NFT page. I'm sure there's plenty of links there, you know, but I've never said about oh, yeah. that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, at, at Voice of Cal, if you just want to hear my my dick jokes and my political humor and all that kind of stuff that uh, that that you know that the nerd has come to love, I guess, right? They're absolutely freaking amazing, man. I want you to start doing your damn podcast again if you guys ever decide to do it. And I'm not going to ask you to make any promises because you already broke my heart with one last time. So, <laughs> not going to ask you to break uh, you know break another one to me. But you, do you think this is something you could possibly consider doing again? I will put that uh, rather high on my list and. uh you know, hopefully we can get some ADHD meds in me and uh, get a little more focused in life. But I've got so many things, you know, running through my brain. But, yeah, I'd love to do it. I'd love to. Uh, I really enjoy doing it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not going to promise again, but uh, I'm on it, brother. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you know what? You're always welcome here. So anytime you want to come on the show to talk about some shit, man, always a blast. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, my friend. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on, man. Anytime. Let me know. Absolutely, brother.